0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to worship. Welcome to sunrise on this great day. We were just talking earlier, thank the Lord for the sneak peek of spring yesterday. So we're grateful for that. And we're grateful for all of us here in the sanctuary together. The kids are worshiping with us for the first time in a long time. We're starting worship together this Sunday. And then, like we said last week, later on, after worship, after um, we get done with that, and singing, Dan will release those kiddos during our greeting time to head back to their programming. So, we expect a little more liveliness in worship today, right? Kids, are you going to sing loud with us? That was a resounding yes, right? <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, why don't you guys stand with us as we awake our souls, as we awake our bodies, as we sing and praise this morning, singing Awake My Soul. Let's join together in singing.
1: into the room where people pray, where we hear praise. To the room where people pray, where we hear worship, He hears faith. Awake, my soul, and sing, sing His praise aloud. Sing His praise aloud. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Body lay light of the world by this slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. Amen. Sing it out. And as he stood. The precious blood of Christ. in me from lies first cry to final breath jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home in the power of Christ Stay. The perfect Son of God in all his innocence, he's walking in the dirt with you and me. He knows what living is, he is acquainted with our grief. A man of sorrow, son of suffering, blood and tears. How can it be that there's a God who weeps, there's a God who bleeds, oh praise the one who would reach for me, hallelujah to the son of suffering. imagine you are distant and removed, but you chased us down in merciful pursuit. To the sinner you were grace, and the broken you embraced, and in the end the proof is in your world. The proof
2: is in your words.
1: Oh, blood and tears. How can it be? There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Hallelujah the Son of suffering. It's Hallelujah Your cross, my freedom Your stripes, my healing All praise, King Jesus Glory to God in heaven, your blood still speaking, your love still reaching, all praise King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven, your cross is my freedom, your stripes my healing, all praise King Jesus. To God in heaven, your blood still speaking, your love still reaching. All praise, King Jesus. Oh, glory to God in heaven. Glory to God in heaven. Glory to God. In to god in heaven glory to god in heaven glory to god
0: and glory and honor to you today Jesus on this first Sunday of Lent Jesus do we remember your suffering we think ahead to six weeks from now on Easter where we will proclaim and celebrate your resurrection And just as we sing, Jesus, thank you that your love is still reaching. You're still pursuing each one of us. It's an ongoing relationship. It's an ongoing reconciliation and drawing and pulling us close to you. Over these next six weeks, may we be thinking and meditating on your love, Jesus your sacrifice, your intense desire for us to be close to you. Oh, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated.
2: 99% of the tech problems that we face are because of me, <laughs> not because of our tech team. Uh, in a world that is coming apart, whether it's in Ukraine or in our own lives, we can come together and sing a song with people all over the globe who regardless of their circumstances can declare together that they come on, that the perfect son of God and all of his innocence is here walking in the dirt with you and with me. He knows what living is. He is acquainted with our grief. These songs we just sang are true for us now, for everyone all over the globe. He is a man of sorrows, a son of suffering, his blood and tears, how can it be? And then they go on to sing, some imagine you, God, that you are distant and removed, but you chased us down in merciful pursuit. And to the sinners, you were grace, and to the broken, you embraced. And in the end, the proof is in your wounds. We come together as this community of people, we call ourselves Sunrise, to follow a God who decides to come down into our brokenness and to try to bring along with us, not to try to bring, but to actually bring a sense of wholeness, to bring a life that puts the world back together. And so I am honored to be a part of this church. My name is Dan. We are glad that you're here with us this morning. Whether this is your first time here, you've been with us for a while, you're joining us online or you're in the room, this is why we exist. So we're glad that you're here. <clears throat> in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through in your life, there is a God we follow uh, who knows what it looks like to live in this earth with us. I want to make you aware of a couple of announcements before we jump into what we're talking about today. I don't think this is on our list of things to do, but on Fridays, here during this month of, what is it? March. Well done. You're with me. All right. <laughs> Casual play dates every Friday from 9 to 10. Um, there are different places that that's going to happen, I think. Casual play dates at the Cotman's house. There it is, it's right there. If you read along with me, the information that you need is right there. Um, So make sure you check those out. Uh, We have these spring event calendars that you can pick up on your way out of the room here today. Just on the other side of those double doors is a round table with these little pieces of paper on them. This will give you the information about what's happening in and through Sunrise over the course of the spring. Couple of things that the students are really gonna wanna know about. Number one, there's a movie night this Wednesday. No one is excited about this. Students in the room, students online, do you know that there's a movie night this Wednesday? Yes. Yes. All right. You're going to want to be there. So it's guys and girls split up for a night of movies, delicious popcorn, not just bland popcorn, people. (laughs) Delicious popcorn. And your vote of snacks. When do they need to have a vote in, Tanner? I don't know where Tanner is. (laughs) Vote somehow, some way. (laughs) Students, you probably know how to do that. But that's this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. If you have questions about it, you can email tanner at sunrisemin.org. He will happily and enthusiastically answer your questions. Next week, kids, you can self-define if you're a kid or not. I'm going to be a kid next week. Wear your pajamas. Yay, one kid is excited along with me. Drew, you're the man. All right, so ne- yes, right here too. All right, next week, time changes, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's the appropriate response. So yeah, 10 o'clock, time changes, 10 o'clock. Parents, bring your kids in their pajamas. If you want to come in your pajamas too, you can do that. I'm going to be in mine. It's going to be a great time. Uh, This is a place where kids, where being together is important to us. And so don't worry about what you look like. You can comb your hair. You can not comb your hair. I'm going to say this on behalf of the person who's sitting next to you. Please go ahead and brush your teeth, though. That would be a good idea, okay? Uh, Okay, so for this Sunday, those of you who have been following along, this is a Sunday where we introduce the change, where the kids are in the room with us for the start of the service, and now we're going to ask the kids who would like to, and parents who would like for them to, to go ahead and stand up, and if you go through these doors here, there's going to be Julie somewhere, I think she's out there right now, who will help usher your kids back to their spaces that are specifically created for them to know uh, more about their volunteers and Jesus along the way. As that's happening, everyone else can stand up. You can talk to each other, or you can go get a cup of coffee or find the bathroom if you're an introvert. Uh, And then we'll continue with our service. But make sure you say hi to the folks around you. So this is the first Sunday of Lent. For those of you for whom this is a new concept, Lent is just the name of the season that leads up to Easter. About 40 days, which started on... Ash Wednesday of this last week, all the way up to Easter is a time that's been set aside by the church for lots of years to intentionally engage what it is like to move toward Christ's death and resurrection. Now, why in the world would we do this? It's because, um, and we're going to use this year, a book that uh, was written by Tish Oxenreiter. I don't know if any of you have discovered her. She was a blogger, began to write some stuff. She is a wonderful thinker, has some really great things to offer, and she has put together a guide to help folks walk through the season of Lent, and we're going to use that a little bit as we have our conversation. I want to invite you to consider go ahead and and looking up that book if you're looking for a guide to help you walk through Lent, but the angle that she takes using the, the terms bitter and sweet are often the words, whether they're different words that are synonymous with it, that help us walk through Lent well. When I was a kid, I remember going to children's church. We would always be uh, dismissed from church just like our kids just were, and we'd go to another building. And our teachers, mine was Mike McFetridge. He was a good guy. I wanted to grow up to be like him, mainly because he had a mustache. (laughs) And he would always do these different object lessons. And there was one that I will never forget. He came with these pairs of different things And he wanted us out in our chairs to pick the thing that we thought was most real and what wasn't. And so he had a Hershey's candy bar, you know, one of those classic ones where it's your flat brick that's wrapped in foil and then slides into a paper sleeve. You know what I'm talking about? And then one of those Snickers bars, the newfangled kind, at least compared to what it was then in the 80s where it's the sealed, glued packet, right? There's no way you're going to bust into one of those things without somebody knowing and the question to us was, which one of these would you want? Which one of these do you think is most real? Well, me, being a kid, it's the biggest one. It's that Hershey, right? So I grabbed that puppy, handed it to me, and opened it up. It's a piece of cardboard inside. I thought for sure that thing was going to be sweet and tasty and beautiful and wonderful. And I didn't even want to take a bite out of it once I got it. So then we moved on. He had a a bottle of water, and then he had this really big, like, big gulp size container of a drink. And he asked us again, all right, which one of you guys wants to come up here and take a drink of what it is that we have? You can pick which one you want, which one you think is going to be more enjoyable. This is the time of clear Pepsi. Okay, you guys with me, you 80s babies? Yeah. (laughs) So the question was, who wants to come up here? No, all the other kids were quiet. They didn't want to. So, who was the man who stood up and took one for the team again? This guy right here. So, I go up there and I grab the big gulp. That's the one. It's the big one. It's going to be tasty. It's going to be sweet. It's got to be that clear Pepsi. So, I grabbed that thing and I was a responsible boy, so I used two hands like my parents always told me to. And I held that thing up to my lips and I took a drink and immediately set it down and spit it out because it was vinegar. It was awful. And what he was trying to teach us, I think, is what we know to be true in our lives. There are some things that we look at in our lives that look like they are going to be so sweet and tasty and satisfying, but when we hold them up to our lips, we begin to consume them, they fill us with a sense of bitterness. And we don't want to have anything to do with them anymore, right? and we can easily shift gears mentally here away from the concepts of food and just the realities of life the different menu items that there are as we walk through life that we can see there are things that just look tasty and really good and like they're going to fill us with this sense of sweetness and of wholeness and of hope but as we sink our teeth in we feel deflated We feel like we would have been better off not even grabbing that thing that we thought would be sweet. And it's the period of Lent that helps us intentionally take the time to look at our lives and to see what are the things that we think are sweet but are actually bitter that we're consuming. And on the flip side of that, we have this story that happens during this period of Lent where Jesus is walking toward his Death. And we have this holiday that comes up every year during the Lenten season. It's called a Good Friday. And it is the Friday where the bitterest of all things happens. And it is where the man who came to this earth and declared himself to be God's son was hung on a cross and killed. And there's this sense of deflation and the thing that we held on to that would give us hope, that would fill us, that would bring us contentment and sweetness in all of our lives seems to have been extinguished. And yet that most bitter moment becomes the sweetest of all realities. And so as we walk through Lent, we are invited by our historical uh, spiritual leaders to look at our own lives by Tish Oxenreiter, to use her words to consider the things that are both bitter and sweet as we move toward the Lenten season. So, if you want to find out what it is that Tish Oxenreiter has put together, here's her website, a nice picture of it. TishOxenreiter.com. There is no I in her name. There's a really cool name. I don't know why there's no I in it, but there's not. But it's cool. Anyway, this is her book, Bitter and Sweet. On this website, I'm putting it up here because there are different tools that you can use if you decide to use this individually with your family or small group that will offer songs or different things that you can reflect on along the way. But this is a lot of what we're using uh, for this adventure in this Lenten season. For this morning, we're going to focus in on Psalm 73, verses 23 to 26. And this morning and all of the weeks of Lent are going to be very reflective They're going to be inviting you to participate quietly, but personally, in a way that hopefully invites you to wrestle with your own internal desires for those things that are both bitter and sweet to help us move toward Easter well. So the question we're looking at this morning is, when has God given me opportunities this past week to practice ordinary, everyday humility? Now, for those of you who are like me and you can't remember what you ate yesterday... This is why the question is coming up now. (laughs) And there's not a written test or anything. This is just a question to prompt us to consider together through this conversation how it is in this last week God's given us opportunities to practice ordinary, everyday humility. As we do that, I want to invite us to look at this picture for a minute. Uh, This picture is called Still Life with a Skull and a Writing Quill by Peter Kless. I don't know how the, you say that the right way, but I just want you to take a moment and look at that for a minute. Art is supposed to move us toward feeling, toward thought, and I want to just carve out a little bit of time for us to do that here, so take a few moments. We'll come back to this image in a little bit. Father, we come to you this morning as a people who live in a world that's full of bitter sweetness. There is bitterness of war that's happening right now, where we can see on our own devices the carnage that is coming by the actions of one country toward another. And in the midst of that, we can see the sweetness of people around that country that's being attacked Ukraine the sweetness of people who are reaching out with love, who are reaching out with grace and with mercy and who are offering hope. And in our language, they're working to transform this world with grace and with love. And God, that is our prayer as we exist this sunrise, that you would help us to transform this world with your grace and your love. So as we walk through Lent, as we consider your word together, would you help us to do just that in Christ's name? Amen. Psalm 73 is the first psalm in the third book of psalms. You take all of the psalms and you chunk them up into smaller pieces. 73 is the first chapter, the first song of the third book of psalms. And the beginning of this psalm says very clearly, there is no one good but God. And the person who writes this psalm puts Uh, ink on parchment that I think reflects many of our own thoughts. And he does this in order to help us see ourselves and God more clearly. He says, but for me, those, uh, again, he says at the beginning, there is no one good but God, and then he immediately transitions to, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. (laughs) I nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked." It's almost like he's been sitting with us in our cars, looking on our devices, watching the updates of the news, or sitting in our living rooms, watching the televisions with us about what's going on. They have no struggles. (laughs) The attackers, their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens, and they're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence, for from their callous hearts comes iniquity, and their evil imaginations have no limits." And it's, we can move away from Psalm 73 and easily mentally, just in our own experience, walk the same path that David does as he writes this psalm. It's a psalm where he says just very openly and candidly, God, I know that you are good, but <laughs> there are so many things in this life that distract me from that. There's my own desire to have what other people have, this sense of being envious. They have a nice house. They have a nice car. They have not experienced death close to their family. And God, that's what I want because that seems good. That is that Hershey bar that I think is going to give me sweetness. David goes on to talk about how he himself, in his own desire to experience what is good, doesn't just envy other people, but he latches on to things in this world that are just not good for him, not good for his family, for his relationships. And as he wanders down this psalm and gets to the end of Psalm 73, he writes these words. And this is where we'll focus this morning. This is where we'll become... Uh, highly active, engaged, reflective. He reminds himself of truth. I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This should be the landing place for all of us, and yet for me, I think, for all of us who are honest, this is not the landing place we get to very easily. (laughs) I mean, in the books of Psalm, it takes 73 Psalms to get here. If our lives were structured similarly, it might look like it takes 73 years maybe to get to the place where we can confess these things to be true. And yet David, as he writes this psalm, is a person just like you and me who is distracted by the world around him and the awful tragedies that are happening where it seems like the bad guys are winning and there's just not enough for us to experience the sweetness that God has promised. We look at the news and we see awful things like this. This is a fresh photo from the Associated Press that I got this morning. You've looked at this, maybe not this picture, but you have taken a quick detour from life here to visit life in Ukraine, just enough to be able to see and experience and feel the bitterness of what war looks like. If you're like me, you feel this sense of someone has to pay for this. But on the news, you hear stories like I do about how the leaders who are causing this to happen are people who are beyond the reach of justice. And that doesn't feel sweet. It feels bitter, and it feels awful. And in my mind, I don't easily land at the place of God, you're with me and you're holding my right hand. I very quickly go to the place of, I need to have control in this situation. I need to somehow do something to make this wrong right. And by the way, God, why are you not? I haven't been sitting in your living rooms with you or at your dining room tables as you've talked about this to hear you express similar things but I know because I feel the same thing too and because what we see is wrong and because David gives voice to things like this that it's not hard for you to feel the same bitterness. And yet in the midst of that, David writes a song that he invites us to recite with him and so we will where the words are what follow. I'll read the gray, you read the red. God, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? my flesh, and my blood, my ability to make things right. <laughs> it may fail, but God the strength of my heart and my heart these are hard words for me to say right now. <laughs> I know that these things are true. I grew up in a Christian home, going to Christian school, attending Christian church, and these were the words, the thoughts that were pounded into my head. But when I watch the news, when I see social media, when I hear about our world falling apart, these are words that don't come easily to me, and so when I open Scripture and see an honest follower of God writing down words of His own struggle to know and to believe, and to live into the reality that God is in control. I'm thankful for these words that we just said together. But it's not just when things are going hard in life, when there's war tearing through history that our hearts can be diverted, can be distracted toward things that are just not helpful, that can disorient us away from God. It's also when we're just living our own lives and we go over to some people's houses, or we see what they have and what we don't have. They have a Spouse who is still strongly connected to them. They have adult children who are still in great relationship with them. They got the scholarship. <laughs> they made the A-team. I don't even know if that still exists, but when I was a kid, it did. They got this part, and their life just looks good. The dog on it. My life was a kitchen. It doesn't look like that. And even in those moments, when we compare our BMI or our hair texture or our skin color or our accents to other people and we feel like we fall short, we need to be reminded again of what is true. And so whether you have been torn apart, this last couple of weeks emotionally like I have been by what's going on in Ukraine or you find yourself to be internally torn about what is most important because you see what the people around you have and what you don't have and you can get into this sense, this fighting of comparison. David offers these same words and we'll do what we did before. I'll read the gray, you read the red and my hope is that as we do this, you're able to identify a bit a space in your life that needs these words to sink down into that space. And so before we say these words together, I just want to create a moment to think, to reflect. Where in your life do you feel like there is this tension, this desire of what you want, the, the things that you see that seem sweet that are going to give you what it is that you think you need? and you see that other people have them, and you become envious. You want those things, and there's a war that happens inside of you. Take just a moment and think about that. You don't have to say it out loud. Not just generally, but maybe in those spaces of our lives, we need these words. God, I am continually with you. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, Whom have I in heaven but you. you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but... Some of you are better people than I am. And you can say these words with a heart of confidence, a heart of, God, I know that this is true and I can feel it right now. I don't just need to remind my heart of it. My heart knows it as well as my head does. But some of you are dirty, rotten scoundrels like I am too. And you need this reminder. This is what Lent invites us to do. What humility requires of us is to be able to look at the world around us, the chaos and the things out there that seem so sweet that we long to hold on to and to look at ourselves and to look at God and to be reminded again that what we have is enough and that God's right hand, where all of his power comes from, is not just good enough for us, but it grasps our own hands. And that there is no counsel better than God's. So I'm going to steal this prayer. You can read it with me. Lord, the deeper the darkness, the more visible and beautiful the stars And the more I admit my sin, the more your grace becomes a reality rather than an abstract idea. Only then does your grace humble me and affirm me, cleanse me, and shape me. Make your grace amazing to my heart. Amen. Make your grace amazing to my heart. We sing songs over and over again like Amazing Grace and our heads know it. (laughs) Sometimes our hearts struggle to believe it. We follow a God who as He looks down and sees our lives that sometimes if they could be a picture looked more like this rather than a beautifully put together person. Responds with a love And a grace and a nearness that says, I'll give myself for you. So, this Lenten season, there are plenty of things around us that are bitter, plenty of things around us that are sweet. And it might take us a long time to wind ourselves to the place where David lands where we can say that we desire nothing more in this world but God himself. But that journey to getting there, you know as well as I do, is a hard one. It's full of bumps and bruises of reminders that God is good and sometimes challenges that make us wonder if there even is a God. And yet no matter your path there, We can still arrive at the place where we can say that God, you are continually, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. God, my flesh and my heart may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God, these are big promises that you make. These are big words that David writes that if we can give ourselves over to them, we are not just giving ourselves over to these words, but to the reality that you are the strongest being. You are the creator and sustainer of life. You are the bringer of all things good. And just like your journey through the 40 days of up to the crucifixion and resurrection. We're full of ups and downs, of trials and of triumphs. Our lives are the same. So God, we pray for your strength to be a people who are humble enough to see what's going on in the world and not puff ourselves up enough to say we have the answers, we have to figure this out, but that we would lay our pride down and say you are the strength of our lives that you've got this and that even as we look at life and we can compare what feels like the deficit of our lives compared to the lives of others that you are still the one who is holding our hands and that you love us and that we are walking with you toward a life that is full of your grace of your love and of your glory help us to pursue these things well for the sake of your son and to transform uh, this world with your grace and your love. In Christ's name, amen. At the end of every service, we sing a song. We invite folks to respond. By singing, uh, you can give financially to the church if you would like to do that. There's a QR code that is on the chairs in front of you. You can scan that if you want to give electronically. There's also a bucket back here on the tables on the way out, where you can put a check or cash there if you want to but this is more this time is more important than just giving money it includes that it's more important than just singing it includes that it's more important than going and getting your kids and shaking hands or giving someone a hug and acknowledging their humanity and taking the moment to get to know each other This is a time and space where we can respond to the chaos that is out there to the divisiveness that there seems to be in our own lives compared to others and to be fully present to remind each other that God is good. So we're going to sing a song called What a Beautiful Name. And that name is not the name of a politician. It's not the name of a country. It's not the name of a car manufacturer. It's the name of God himself. So join with us, whether it's singing or listening, quietly reflecting, whatever that is, and responding to the most beautiful name in all of creation.
1: You are the Word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord, both. Had. You hid in glory and creation, and now reveal. Thank Compared to this, what a wonderful name.
2: defenses might fail and Putin might conquer Ukraine we don't know <laughs> we might never have the things that we think that we need in this life, however there is a God who is greater who has no rival who has no equal who will someday put the world back to rights, so though your flesh and your heart may fail, sunrise God is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. God, give us the strength to believe and to live and to walk in these things. Amen. Sunrise, we love you. Have a great week.